Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. Keep thy feet when thou goest unto a house of God, and draw not to hear rather than to give of fools the sacrifice, for they do not know they do evil. It says when you go to the temple, control yourself. Don't be hasty to give a sacrifice if you're foolish and evil. You're just going to bring more condemnation into your life. Some people are quick to join the choir or participate in some event or give tithe money, but because they haven't repented of their sins, they're just bringing more condemnation into their life from the Lord. What they really need to do is repent first. 2. Cause not thy mouth to hasten, and let not thy heart hasten to bring out a word before God. For God is in the heavens and thou on the earth, therefore let thy words be few. He says, Don't be quick to speak. 3. For the dream hath come by abundance of business, and the voice of a fool by abundance of words. Solomon is describing something that we have today in the church, which is spiritualism. Spiritualism is not Christianity. New Age people are spiritual too, and Hindus are spiritual. Lots of people are spiritual, including witches. So spiritualism won't save us. And unfortunately, in a lot of churches today, they're highly spiritualistic. People always want to prophesy, they always want to have a word, but they speak too quickly and they say too much. And they're really speaking out of their own heart, rather than speaking the words of God. And Solomon is saying, it's better not to say anything than to say something foolish. And if you have a lot to say, it's probably because you are foolish. For when thou vowest a vow to God, delay not to complete it, for there is no pleasure in fools that which thou vowest complete. We've heard this before said in the Old Testament. Either don't make God a promise, or if you do make him a promise, fulfill it now. The only promise we should ever make him, and this is the only promise where we can't fail, is if we promise to obey his commandments. Beyond that, we're really setting ourselves up for a fall, because if we promise that we're going to fast, or we promise that we're going to tithe a certain amount, we may not be able to fulfill it, and then we'll be a liar to the Lord. 5. Better that thou do not vow, than that thou dost vow and dost not complete. 6. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger that it is an error. Why is God wroth because of thy voice, and hath destroyed the work of thy hands? There's an angel in the temple. Paul talked about heavenly witnesses. There are angels that witness what we do, and then they go up to the throne of God and report what we've done. The New Testament mentions this. There are angels that are assigned to certain churches or groups of people. Those angels are witnesses of what is going on. Solomon says, don't say in the temple angels hearing that you can't complete your vow to the Lord. You should have never said it in the first place. Don't give excuses to the Lord, because otherwise the Lord will destroy the works of your hands. In other words, he'll destroy the other things that you did for yourself, because you didn't complete your vow to him. Solomon did understand a lot of things about the Lord even after he went into a life of sin. He didn't lose all of his knowledge of the Lord, just as he stated, I think it was in chapter 2, that his knowledge stayed with him.
7. For in the abundance of dreams both vanities and words abound, but fear thou God. This is also describing spiritualism that's similar to what is in a lot of churches today, where every single day they have a new dream to share with people. If we look in the Bible, Joseph did have some dreams and other people did have some dreams, but not every night. 8. If oppression of the poor and violent taking away of judgment and righteousness thou seest in a province, do not marvel at the matter, for a higher than the high is observing, and high ones are over them. He says, poor people get oppressed, but the Lord is watching, and the Lord knows all about it. 9. And the abundance of a land is for all, a king for a field is served. Industry puts food on our table, and clothes on our back. And he says, a king is served by a farmer. 10. Whoso is loving silver is not satisfied with silver, nor he who is in love with stores with increase. Even this is vanity. Solomon understands that all the wealth in the world cannot satisfy us. And he had all the wealth in the world, and he was the least satisfied of anybody. 11. In the multiplying of good have its consumers been multiplied, and what benefit is to its possessor except the sight of his eyes? He says, wealth is eye candy, but that's all it is. It doesn't satisfy your soul. 12. Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eat little or much, and the sufficiency of the wealth is not suffering him to sleep. Hard work will give you peace at night. You'll be able to fall asleep, but wealth will not allow you to sleep at night. It can stress you out. 13. There is a painful evil I have seen under the sun, wealth kept for its possessor for his evil. He says hoarding is evil when you don't share it with anybody. It's interesting that the chapter starts out with him saying, we shouldn't talk too much, we shouldn't make promises we can't keep, we shouldn't be overly spiritualistic when we're in the temple. And then he starts talking about how wealth doesn't satisfy. And it could be that it's just a bad chapter break, but a wealth of spiritualism doesn't satisfy either. So maybe that's the connection. Being highly spiritual is not going to give us peace with God. Spirituality is not our salvation, any more than material wealth is. 14. And that wealth hath been lost in an evil business, and he hath begotten a son, and there is nothing in his hand. Solomon says that when we hoard wealth, the Lord will cause us to lose it, and then it won't go to our children. 15. As he came out from the belly of his mother, naked he turneth back to go as he came, and he taketh not away anything of his labor that doth go in his hand. He did understand that when he died he wouldn't be able to take anything with him. He was lamenting that in the previous chapters. So here again he's saying it. We're born naked and we're going to die naked and we're going to turn to dust again and dust doesn't wear clothes or jewelry. 16. And this also is a painful evil. Just as he came, so he goeth. And what advantage is to him who laboreth for wind? He says, why work when you're going to die poor just like you were born anyway? Even if you're a king, you'll die poor because you can't take anything with you contrary to what the Egyptians believed. 
they thought they could take their possessions with them into the afterlife, but none of us can do that. 17. Also, all his days in darkness he consumeth, and sadness, and wrath, and sickness abound. He says, even when you're rich, you still get sick, you still get sad, you still have to face the wrath of God, and you still have mental and spiritual darkness in your life, which Solomon definitely had because he sinned a lot. 18. Lo, that which I have seen, it is good, because beautiful, to eat, and to drink, and to see good in all one's labor, that he laboreth at under the sun, the number of the days of his life that God hath given to him, for it is his portion. Again, Solomon repeats that it's good to enjoy and appreciate the fruits of our labor. 19. Every man also to whom God hath given wealth and riches, and hath given him power to eat of it, and to accept his portion, and to rejoice in his labor, this is a gift of God. He says, if the Lord gave you food and clothing and shelter and abundance so that you can have a celebration, it's a gift from the Lord. 20. For he doth not much remember the days of his life, for God is answering through the joy of his heart. He seems to be saying that when we rejoice, the Lord is giving us an answer. I'm assuming that means the Lord is sharing his love with us when we rejoice. Again, it's not a Christian duty to party all day, every day, but there's no sin in celebrating and rejoicing in and of itself. It's interesting how Solomon had a lot of understanding, and yet he still was a sinner. And that shows us that just being intelligent and having a lot of knowledge and understanding, even being a Bible scholar, will not save us. Knowing the Bible really well and being able to say a good sermon does not mean that you're saved. Because Solomon was a preacher and he could preach a great sermon, but he wasn't following the Lord. The only thing that will save us is repentance and faith. Jesus said, repent and believe. So we have to put all of our trust in him and we have to repent of our sins. And that's it. And that concludes Ecclesiastes chapter 5.